Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring! Bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Politics is Boring. My name is Jesse Harley, and with me, as always, is Reese Waters. Reese, what do you have for me today? Borada. That's Welsh for good morning, because um, you said bonjour. Borada? Borada. Borada. Good morning. Even though it's yeah. 9 p.m. at night. Good morning. There we go. I couldn't remember. <laughs> My morning. Good night. Not Nosta. That's good night, I think. I don't know. Are there Welsh speaking people who listen to this who hate me? Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm having a great day. So um, me and my wife, we've been making cocktails recently and I invented a cocktail, which is cool. Really? Yeah, I call it is um, so it's, it's light rum, light Nova Scotian rum and root beer. And mm. I call it a Nova Scotian light beer and it's incredible. Wow. It's good. So I drank two of them while I was cooking on the barbecue. So, That's it? Just yeah. just light rum and root beer? And ice. So it's cold. Because I don't like good, room temperature drinks. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a the stereotype. There's a, there's a fascinating YouTube channel called How to Drink. If you ever were interested in learning how to make more cocktails, the guy's a cocktail master. <laughs> if you're ever fascinated in learning how to drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> We've been having difficulties all these years on drinking yeah. liquids. This YouTube channel will help you. Don't go see a doctor. Just watch some YouTube shows on how to drink any liquid whatsoever. 
<laughs> oh god, and I've been pouring them up my ass all this time. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that is effective. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> incredibly deadly, but effective. That's okay. Tell me, cool. teach me something, Obi Wan. Okay, well, actually, That's just not to how change that quote goes. This 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 episode is called. Have you have you ever heard of Tommy Prince? No. So we well established that I know very little about Canadian politics. That's well, this is kind of the, the, he he's a war hero, but the politics came into his life. So, um, Tommy Prince. The title is Tommy Prince, Canada's Forgotten Rambo. Now, um, <laughs> his his life is kind of like it's a mixture of his his life. His, his, his life would make an incredible film because it's a mixture of action film and um, civil rights issues intertwined. And his life is just, yeah, it's just, I'll, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. So why don't you get into it, Reese? I will get into it. Get, I said it, get I into it. Yeah. I'm, Do- I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, I'm into it. There we go. Do it. Right. It's nice in here. Um, right. So <laughs> Tommy Prince was an indigenous Canadian war hero um, and one of the country's most decorated non-commissioned officers. Uh, and he basically he served in the second world war and Korea. Um, but it was quite a sad story because despite being one of the most decorated war heroes Canada has ever produced, he was forgotten for decades. You um, know how much I love sad stories on our comedy podcast, Reese. Well, there's, there's, there's some mind, there's some mind blowing stuff on you. So, so um, systematic racism was the cause of him being, uh, forgotten largely. So he was born in a canvas tent in 1915 uh, on the the Broken Head Reserve, which is like 70 kilometers north of Winnipeg, which is um, in Manitoba, which uh, which we've talked about before. Yes. Um, yes. yes. It's uh, ev- everybody's favorite province. So <laughs> It's soon to be mine once we make <laughs> Manitoba nights. <laughs> so he was one of 11 children. I mean, families were big in those days. My, my grandfather Good was one. God, 11 children. 11. My grandfather was one of like 14. It's just the what? way it was back then. Oh my God. That's insane. Yeah. How do you, how do I can't, I don't, I don't understand the, I'm, that's insanity. That's pure insanity. Well, well, hon, we've got 10 children. I think that's enough. Do you? No, not at all. More, more, more children. <laughs> like, is this just free labor? Is that all? Was this why they're looking at it? Like, what do they, are they, is, is 10 children not enough love for them? Like, what's the what's the record what's the reasoning behind having 14 children like that's well you know some people like big families i guess (laughs) although it's a good job minivans weren't a thing then because the vans would have been huge it'd be like a minivan chain like like pulling other minivans (laughs) behind you train (laughs) right yeah like 13 kids hon i'm pregnant again thank god i was worried we weren't gonna make it to 14 what why? Anyway, sorry. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. Continue, please. Well, he, was part it, of, uh, he was part of a very reasonably numbered family of 11. Yeah, continue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> kids are expensive. You don't want to go crazy. So he, um, <laughs> like like many kind of indigenous kids from the time, he, was, he attended residential school um, where obviously he was taught to forget about a lot of his indigenous heritage. Which is very um, sad. Yeah, and he joined the army cadets, where he became an excellent marksman. So basically, the thing he loved about the military was, uh, as soon as he put his uniform on, he felt like he kind of was was recognised, I guess, because people saw the uniform more than they saw anything else. So that's kind of he was, sad. He was drawn to that role. So wow. he re- he reluctantly had to drop out of school though to earn money for his family uh, in grade eight, and he was working as a lumberjack because <clears> it was the it was the depression, which was a an awful time for almost. What year everyone. was this again? 
this would have been the depression so this would have been like the late 1920s 1930s period so um so in 1940 he uh he he was 24 years old and he joined the the royal canadian engineers and was sent to england during world war ii what are they royal canadian engineers what is well they they um weird band (laughs) they're a prog rock band so they mix prog rock with synth and it's, you know, it's wonderful. So the Royal Canadian Engineers, I, I believe that military engineers do things like they go, we need a bridge over this river to send 50 tanks over and they will come in and build a bridge like overnight. Oh, and, wow. And or like, you know, wire up a, a command center so that they can do things. I think um, all, all the whole time, just having like face paint to kind of blend in and, you know, it's, if you want to be an engineer, it's a pretty exciting way to be an engineer. Camouflaged bridge building, yeah, yeah, That's- yeah. But 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 not for Tommy. He hated it, so he was just busy. He said he was operating a lathe on home guard duty, which he hated. So he joined the army to fight, not sit around drinking tea, which he would have done a lot of in the UK in the nineteen forties. Right. So um, he answered for a call for parachute forties, please. Exactly. <laughs> I've had five cups of tea just before we recorded this. So. Oh, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold it in, Reese. It makes for a better show. Hold that in. <laughs> so we, he, there was a call for parachutists in the Canadian Parachute Battalion. And I, I think that the, the reason was that not many people wanted to jump out of a plane um, into, <laughs> into kind of fire. So there was kind of an open invite. So who wants to do this? And he was like, I, I don't want to cut wood i would rather Not do this many I want people action. want to jump out of a plane into a raging fire that's <laughs> where- <laughs> exactly so so he joined and he was then attached to the the united states special force or the green berries so it basically became part of an elite force pretty quickly um also known as the devil's brigade which is a really cool name that is a cool name yeah so um, his platoon sergeant, Al Lennox, said he was brave, he was intelligent. In his early days as a young man, he was out living off the land and getting his own game, learning how to track and to walk right without making a noise. All those ap- attributes came very handy in this type of a unit. So he was behind enemy lines, special forces, and he was able to move quietly, live off the You know, just just he, all the skills he had from the way he grew up meant that in, in war, he was just um, the, the, the ultimate like special forces soldier, essentially. He was Rambo. He was the Canadian he Rambo. He was Rambo. Exactly. He was the Canadian Rambo. So then, um, and and also they said that once he was in a uniform, nobody cared about his origin. So all they saw was his rank and the respect he earned on the battlefield of other people. So, and, and he did some crazy stuff. He did oh, some I'm, absolutely I'm crazy very stuff. Very curious. Exa- yes. Don't tell some, me. <laughs> as long as they're so, not horrifyingly gory, which I know they're going to be because you love no, telling me just, shit like that. Just, just like unbelievable, unbelievable bravery. So, in uh, in in the winter in Italy in 1944, he volunteered for a nighttime reconnaissance mission and had to run a telephone line a kilometer and a half into enemy territory. Um, and then he set up an observation. This post is when. In this a, is in the in the winter in 1944 in Italy. They had. Could, I suppose you could have people listening in if it was wireless. I was going to say, why run a telephone? Yeah, yeah, the telephone there? cables were how they so. He he set up an observation post in an abandoned farmhouse 200 meters from the Germans and uh, so he could send back information on the enemy positions, but a shell cut the line the following day. Um, so his solution was to dress like an Italian farmer, uh, go out and pretend he was inspecting and repairing his chicken coop, 
uh, and weeding the crops while the German soldiers looked at him and he fixed the broken phone line in front oh of him. Oh my God, what? You know. Oh my God. <laughs> so just like, just like, I'm going to think on my feet here. I'm going to just pretend that I'm just, just looking at the chickens, just weeding the crops. Um, of course, I'm the kind of farmer who, despite being in the middle of a war, remains on my farm to tent my animals. So. <laughs> It's very important. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. Who's going to feed the chickens? So, you know. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. And That's amazing. Uh, he, Where did he, he get the kept, Italian clothes? Farming, think, farming clothes. I imagine they were just they were just in the house, probably lying around. Or I hope he didn't take them off a dead farmer. Well, it is Rambo we're talking about here. It is Rambo. Yeah. He probably yeah anything for the mission. Right, so yeah. anyway. <laughs> Holy hell, it's time for a special announcement. So he used to carry a pair of moccasins in his bag with him, and he would never tell anyone where he was going, and apparently he would slip away in the night. Um, And the Germans described him as a ghost or a devil. Uh, So he'd sneak across enemy lines, and apparently he would just kill people and steal something. Um, and leave things behind, like calling cards, just to freak them out. Uh, and, and calling like, cards, yeah, just like little things that were out of place, so that people knew someone would be there. All those people would come back, and they'd find that, like, they'd wake up and they bunk mate. Oh, throw, not like a like a metaphorical calling card, not an actual yeah, yeah, yeah. Bus- business card, not a business yeah. card. No, okay, like, right, yeah, that'd be weird, man. That just <laughs> follow like, just with his Instagram tag and everything. So anyway. Um, Missing your friend? Don't know where he's been? Want to do this to someone else? Give me a call. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. You know. Well, you know, we all need to promote ourselves these days. So, <laughs> you know, there's no shame in it. Um, so, like, <laughs> someone would wake up in their bunk and their bunkmate would have had their throat slit for no reason at all. And and it was really demoralizing. And um, he almost, his ability to sneak around and do those things uh just terrified people. Some even thought he was like an evil spirit or something that was just coming to wreak havoc on their ranks. So what he did for morale was was crazy. And that was a, a lot of that description came from some of the people who fought with him um, behind enemy lines um, and kind of in those special forces units. So some of the people who fought with him were freaked yes. out at, with no, no, him but and the, thought the, he was they, a ghost. They, that's where those stories come from. The people who worked with him saying that his ability to to kind of, uh, you know, do those things and go across uh, enemy lines and terrorize the enemy um, without even being detected was legendary. This is amazing. How, how have we not heard more about this guy? Like, this is television worthy. This is movie worthy. He was awarded the first, uh, his first medal he was awarded was the military medal, which where he he uh, destroyed four German tanks um, and his courage and utter... With his fists? Were, what did he do? No, how did he do that? Know. Like, just... Imagine explosives. I don't think he... Like, <laughs> he beat up four tanks with his bare up, hands. Exactly. With a look. He just looked at them and they just fell apart. Um, so he, he won loads of different medals. He was he had a uh, he had eleven medals altogether from his time in in um in World War Two. So but apparently, and this this is this this quote uh, like just <laughs> not every apparently in this one of the quotes I found, one soldier was a bit put out. So he wasn't impressed that uh, Tommy was going and doing all these things. And, and the quote said um, from this from this soldier, there goes Prince trying to win another medal to prove he's brave. Um, <laughs> which is like, that just sounds like pure jealousy stop, talking. Like, stop trying to win the war. Make me look bad. 
Sorry, I think so. But that's, then, that's an early day hater right there. I can talk about haters. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If he was, he would have been commented. He would have been trolling him online. Uh, he would have been. Uh, uh, Stop on, trying to win the war yourself. Who do you think you are? I know. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm as brave as you. I just choose not to show it. You know. <laughs> It's a I personal could, choice. It's very personal. I could blow, yeah. yeah, it's a personal choice. I could blow up five tanks, but I just don't want to. It's I'm just, just yeah. I'm just tired, and I, you know, I've got other things to do. So, <laughs> so the sad thing is, is that once the war ended, and he no longer was a soldier with a uniform, um, he pretty much was treated exactly the same as before he became a soldier, and oh. uh, faced kind of a lot of prejudice and racism, and he. Uh, he had a bit of a sad well, time. Well, you have to remember something very important, uh, which is that the majority of people out there are morons. Not the people who <laughs> listen to our show. You guys are great. No, no, no. They, at least 50% of them aren't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the people who listen to our show are highly intelligent people. He had a bad time. Uh, he got divorced from his wife. His, his father died. And he really struggled to find work. And he ended up as a, as a, as a janitor and, and then started his own cleaning business. He, he tried politics for a while, but didn't like it. And then he ended up being lumberjack again, like he did before World War II, where he went off and had these incredible uh, feats of bravery and proved himself to be incredibly capable and ended up doing the thing that he'd done before. Um, and then uh, the Korean War broke out. And he re-enlisted in, in 1950. Uh, and he, he said, I owed something to my friends who died in the Second World War. Uh, and he was determined to go back to combat duty to carry on that fight. So he uh, essentially did two years in the field. But apparently on Christmas Eve in 1952, during his second tour in Korea, the, the stress of warfare got to him and he suffered a breakdown um, from, the, the, from being shelled by Chinese mortar bombs, essentially, um, which led to him kind of eventually being honorably discharged in September 1954. And although it was never diagnosed, uh, a lot of people say that he obviously had PTSD from from the warfare. So, um, sounds his, like yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, and then, so by the mid-1970s, he was living in the Salvation Army in Winnipeg in like a, a room, and his only possessions were like newspaper clippings and most of his medals had been lost or pawned apparently. Um, and his final years were spent living, reliving the terror of the wars and, you know, going through those kind of flashbacks and things. And he died at the age of 62, um, largely forgotten when when he did pass away as well, which is really sad. I've got um, to say, Reese, our comedy podcast is getting funnier by the minute. These, but, this but is there's, a happy, there's a happy ending. There's a happy ending. He has now been uh, treated as a hero ever since. So oh, he's good. Been, yeah, he's been commemorated on a coin. He's been on plaques. There are murals depicting him. There's a statue. Uh, in the park at Brokehead Reserve, Broken Head Reserve. Um, there are streets in Winnipeg and Calgary. There's a school in Manitoba named after him. Um, they've the Canadian forces have immortalized him at various sites. Medals have turned up at auction in in different places and have been all bought back. And now in the Manitoba Museum, someone purchased one of the medals for like seventy five thousand dollars and then donated it so that it could feature in in the museum as well. So, wow. So, but he's still not that widely known. Obviously, he's been celebrated by people, but it's just his life could would make the best film ever. It I really think would. Arguably, I think like arguably it would be better than Manitoba Nights, and that's a hard thing to admit. That is, I, I, 
I don't know. I'm on the fence about that. Manitoba Nights is going to be one of the greatest television shows of all time, obviously. But I'd say this might be a close second. This is Canadian's I think, I think Rambo. This is, this is probably more likely to get an Oscar than uh, Manitoba yeah. Nights. Just, I think sure. it's more relevant and an important story to tell than a made-up <laughs> adventure. About. In a city that neither one of us have been to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, th- I think that um, and I know this this episode, there's not as much funny, zany stuff, but um, it's just a mind-blowing story to talk about. It is a mind-blowing story, and honestly, it's, it, I'm still like I'm still envisioning him. I don't know if he put on his moccasins, as you said, he took them with him everywhere, but he would sneak out at night and just like cross into the cross the the into enemy territory and just kill people in the middle of the night in their tents while other people slept and left them alive just to fuck with them. And I'm like, that's, that's insane. That's great. That's next level. That's video game shit, man. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. So that's, I want to, yes, let's make a show. Canada's Rambo, Canadian Rambo. Can, yeah. Well, yeah. And also, um, <laughs> we'll work on the title. It's a working we'll work, title. It's a very, we'll work yeah. on, yeah, that's a, it's, it's, it's a very loose working title that, um, <laughs> don't remember that title. It might change. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, okay, let's just talk about if, if you were in World War II, do you think you would have been any good? God, no. Um, well, no, God, I don't deal with day-to-day stress as well. Like having, being shot at every day and night, I'd go, I'd snap, man. My grandfather was in World War II. He, uh, he destroyed bridges, actually. Nice. Where did he build bridges? One of the two. I think there's, he destroyed bridges. I'm going to go with destroyed. It's a very subtle distinction between yeah. building and destroying bridges. Uh, I do not think I would fare well in... I'd have to be the cook or something, like just away from everything and just like with I know, but it aromatic work spices like everywhere. It doesn't work like that. My my grandfather was in the um in the navy and he was uh he joined when he was fifteen. He lied about his age because he was like determined to be in World War Two. Um and they were like, Yeah, fine. You're you you've got a bit of a mustache. So <laughs> and he he was he was the cook and they they dropped them behind enemy lines in North Africa, and all they gave him was a Tommy gun and a tin opener. And he was there with, and he used to fight, and he started to cook as well as fighting. Oh my god! So just because you're the cook doesn't mean that you don't see action. He still had to do stuff. I avo- like I avoid sketchy streets in a very like fairly <laughs> fairly criminal crime free city. Uh, I don't think I do well in a war. So. I I think I I went. And I know this is nothing like real war, but I went paintballing once and I got shot. First I love that you time. had to clarify that paintball yeah, it is, is not, nothing like real war. Just in case I, I, anyone out there is. is <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just so I'm not saying that this is relevant experience to talk with authority about warfare. If so. anyone out there was thinking about joining paintball and you were worried that it was identical to <laughs> real world wars, don't worry. Reese is here to tell you how and why it's not. So yeah, go so, ahead, join that paintball team. Reese, tell us why paintball is not like World War II. So we were kind of like weedy nerds and we were up against these people who clearly did a lot of paintballing. And every time we had a new round, I would like run at them going, come on guys, let's get them. And then they'd all just shoot me straight away. And I'd just sit, and I'd just sit down. Oh. And then I was like, this next time is going to be different. I'm going to be more strategic. And then the same thing happened again. And then I ran... And eventually I ran out of paintballs. Um, 
So I was just, come on, guys, let's go. And then, so I was the in the in in hall. I mean, I have a feeling that the- in in a war, if you did that, you'd probably have similar results. Just saying, I don't the stakes know. Stakes are like- higher, I'll admit. So maybe I'll like. But you right, don't get yeah. the chance. You don't get it. But imagine though, you didn't get a chance to. You only mistake make that mistake once in war, whereas in paintballing, you can do it multiple times. You just walk away with some paintball bruises. Um, but if you were that person in world war, in a war, and you were like, "Come on, guys, let's get them," and you, it's just like it, there's always that one in the film where it was, "Yeah, we can do this," and then they just die. You never and, see uh, them again. Yeah, that's never see them again. No. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> In conclusion, this was an important story to tell, and I'm glad that we had a platform to share it. I'm glad too. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to be able to to, to like I said, if you're going to pepper our our comedy show with sobering episodes now and then, I guess that's okay. I think you need to go away and research whether your grandfather whether your grandfather either destroyed or made bridges. Because um, both are admirable. Right? Both take yeah. skill. Um, I, just I think, think he built them. I'm know. pretty sure he built them. Okay, no, cool. destroyed. No, I said destroyed. Fuck, I don't know. I can't <laughs> he was a bridge enthusiast. <laughs> yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey dear listener do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about canadian politics and history boy do we have a special fucking treat for you we've got our first ever official live show at a bar it's at two crows brewing on uh, brunswick street in halifax on sunday may the 26th at 8 p.m and uh, if you go to canadian if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.